Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Hello and welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. I am Janelle, your host for our conversation today. I am so excited you have found your way here and am really excited to be starting our Christmas edition of the Speak Healing Words podcast, a woman's greatest gift. I've put a challenge out there on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all those places and asked you this question. What do you think is a woman's greatest gift? Her greatest gift to God, her greatest gift to herself, and her greatest gift to the world and everyone in her spheres of influence. I'm going to offer you my opinion today and am waiting eagerly to see what you have to say. I want this to be a conversation, a dialogue, not a one-way street. It's not about my opinion and my opinion only. Oh no, it's not my way or the highway. It is our highway and we're driving down it together. So as we prepare for the Christmas season, we're already in it. We're in the first week of Advent. I, I say every year I really ought to start doing this in August or September, but I don't feel like talking about Christmas then. But it is when we probably need to be preparing our hearts, minds, and bodies for what can become stressmas. Oh, I hear it all the time in my practice. I was just sitting in a, a study group this morning and one woman after another just brought out concerns about the relationship strains in their family of origins and now extended into their families and how people have a hard time sitting at table together and communicating or being in the same room together. And boy, does that just make my heart race with passion to spread the message, our message of the threefold cord of emotional health and spiritual authenticity. I believe they are intricately linked together. You cannot have spiritual authenticity without emotional health. I just don't think it's possible. We bring in our personalities and our emotions into our communities of faith. And if they are unhealthy, as we like to call them, which we all have unhealthy emotions and unhealthy states, we're not perfect. But if we're committed to being healthy, it just makes all the difference. So that's why we're here, that threefold cord of emotional health and spiritual authenticity, which consists of three strands, a healthy sense of self. That's your identity. That's who you are in your core. Uh, all of our healthy behavior patterns. How do we move through this life? And healthy communication skills. I don't think it's a coincidence that today, uh, Wednesday's Wisdom, is being taped on the day that we laid to rest 41. 
President George H.W. Bush. And I was just so moved watching the service held at the beautiful Washington Cathedral, National Cathedral, and all the heads of state that were there. And it was just amazing. Here is this accomplished man, our 41st president, with this accomplished list on his resume. And when his son, George Bush, 43rd president, got up to speak, moved to tears, what he most had to say was that he was just a good man. He was a good man who loved people and cared deeply. I mean, this is a man who sat at negotiation tables that were critically important, yes. But the most important table he sat at was his family table. And that's what I want us to think about, is that family table. Especially when we draw together at the holiday. Now, this holiday is my my off year. My three adult children and their partners and, and husband and wife are This is the year they go to their other side of the family. So it's going to be a smaller table. And I'm, yes, I'm sad, but I also am so grateful that they all have beautiful family tables to sit at with their new families, with their, my son's wife's family, my daughter's husband's family, and then my other daughter's um, boyfriend's family. And it's just such a blessing that they are all uh, sober amazing, lingering around tables that they truly love being around. So it'll be a little less stressmas around my house because there will be less for me to do, but I am celebrating Christmas. I want to start with this before I go into the big drum roll of what I think a woman's greatest gift is. I want to ask you this question. Do you have your pencil? Do you have your journal? If there was one area of your life you could improve, what would it be? If there was one area in your life today that you could improve, what would it be? I just wrote in my journal a few weeks ago, I've yet to answer it, yet to process it. What would it be like in my life if I didn't let people get under my skin? What would it be like? So that's just what I I would want, and I'm continuing to process and work on not allowing my security, my attachment, my sense of self to be based on what others around me think or feel about me. If you know anything about the Enneagram, personality, beautiful system, ancient system that's used to help you understand the motives in your behaviors and your personality. And I'm a two with a very strong three wing. So both a two and a three on the Enneagram have to do with you soaking up your identity and what other people think about you and your... um, ambition and and the things that you do. And so, boy, I just get whammied on all sides. But I, I really want to be a woman who's present in the world and who can move through life with stability. So if there was one area of your life you could improve, what would it be? And I will be asking that question over on Facebook and over on our podcast page, 
hashtag speak healing words or at speak healing words on Instagram. So I picked up this little book years ago when I was actually writing my most recent book, Overcoming Hurtful Words, Rewrite Your Own Story. And it's by the Barna Group, which is an amazing research company. And they created a series of book, un, books, under little books under the title Frames. And this one is called Wonder Women, Navigating the Challenges of Motherhood, Career, and Identity. There are several infographics in this such a good little composite research book on the lives of women in today's society, in our culture, in the 21st century. First infographic says it's complicated. Can we all say amen? Women see themselves as far from one-dimensional and describe family, friends, career, personal interest, and faith as all central to shaping their identity. Hmm. Nearly one-third of women are very confident they're currently making the right life choices. I love that. And they, they proffer this question, what shapes you? 90% of those in this survey, in this research project, 90% of the women said family is what shaped them or shapes them today. 87% said personal interest. 78% said friends. 70% said career. And 66% said faith. I find that remarkable. Keep that 90% of family shaping us in the front of your mind. They go on to talk about priorities versus time. We don't always get to spend the most time on the things that are most important to us, a source of frustration for many of us. Generally, though, women are able to dedicate their time in alignment with their priorities, except when it comes to work. They go on and talk about satisfaction and dissatisfaction and so many other things. But I wanted to read this part to you from the framework of Wonder Women. And it says, in answering that question I talked about in the very beginning, what is God's purpose for my life? Well, that's they say that's a hard enough question. But when you add the daily realities of grocery shopping, laundry, working out, and sneaking in a Skype business call during nap time or before the latest juice spill, it's difficult to see any answer clearly. The perceptions of others don't make this choice any easier. The ongoing mommy wars, expectations of gender roles within the culture and the church, and the cultural cry of having it all only further complicates a woman's sense of calling and identity. I had a doctor in my life for many years who would say to me so often, Janelle, when I ask you about the commitments in your life, you, you never even take into account grocery shopping, laundry, caring for your three children, making dinner, 
you just go to that you're running, uh, I was running a dance studio at that time, or I was running a children's ministry. I would always talk about my work. Well, I'm, I'm an Enneagram three, so that would make sense if you understand the Enneagram. But he said, you do not, you just take for granted all of the energy it takes to run your home. And I've got a husband who's 100% since the moment I've married him almost 35 years ago, walks in the door and goes, what can I do? What do you need me to help you do? He still does it to this day. And we have all three children grown up and moved away out of the home. And he still walks in very supportive. And I'm very grateful for that. He's been always very supportive. Supportive. They go on to talk about here being stressed out, dissatisfied, and overcommitted. Keeping all of this in the forefront of your mind that we feel that family is 90% of what shapes us. Hmm. While moms with kids at home say they are satisfied with their family life, 61%, for many it's also the greatest source of stress. For example, 42% of all women are satisfied with the amount of rest in their lives, and this number drops significantly for moms with kids at home, of which only 30% say the same. Additionally, moms, 20% of moms, are nearly twice as likely as women without kids to become stressed to the point of physical illness. But listen to this. Discontent also creeps in when moms begin to compare their lives with other women. Okay, give me a minute to flip to this amazing um, infographic. They have two infographics. One is on inferiority complex, and they say when comparing themselves to others via social media. Have you ever done that? (laughs) Please tell me I'm not alone. Practicing Christian women, that means women who are actively following the ways and teachings of Jesus Christ, tend to feel that other people are better than me in the following ways. 11 to 1 feel status and prestige. 10 women to 1 feel 10 women are more creative than men. 3 to 1 with the ability to accomplish tasks. And 2 to 1 with career or job. Okay, numbers aside... We tend to develop insecurities, which then develop into a deeper inferiority complex when we are constantly comparing ourselves to someone else. And having lived through the advancement of technology, raising my kids without a cell phone in my hand, I can Only imagine the intensity of Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook and all of these social media outlets if and when I was raising my kids. Boy, I like to really have a good birthday party for my kids, so I can only imagine how competitive I might have been. Three wing coming in there again from the Enneagram. Superiority complex, then, the exact opposite of an inferiority complex, is practicing Christian women tend to say that social media makes them feel 
that other people are worse than me when it comes to parenting skills, physical appearance, or their overall quality of life. Just very interesting statistics when it comes to what makes you and me the best God-breathed woman we can be. Because that is what we are all in the Speak Healing Words community to become. This is a community of becoming, of developing, Ankara Ampara, always learning. So, what then is a woman's greatest gift? Drum roll, please. I truly believe in my core through a lot of life experience, a great deal of research and study and prayer that a woman's emotional health is her greatest gift. It's taken me a long journey to come to that conclusion, but it is one I am pounding the table over. I am crying and shouting out from the housetops because in my life experience and in my work and in my practice and in all of the years I've done conferences and speaking events and retreats and women have waited and waited and waited to share their heart with me, I feel so honored and privileged to have their stories in the vault of my heart, that it is emotional health that I most hear them longing for. Years ago, when I began my journey in, in teaching publicly and speaking publicly, I, I didn't know to call it emotional health. I really didn't. Because emotional health isn't really something that I feel the Judeo-Christian community, the community of faith, talks about enough. We don't, it's a new language. It's a language that really has not been taught well. And you've heard me say, I feel like I'm a foreign language teacher because I so want to give myself, my children, my grandchildren a legacy of healthy emotional conversation and capacity. It's, it's what I am laying my life down to do. And it's why I'm here with you. I want you to have a legacy of emotional health. I saw that today when I looked over the family, the lineage, the legacy of the Bush family, imperfect as they might be. There's a legacy of what I feel is the undergirding of emotional health, which is secure attachment. We'll talk about that in the forthcoming weeks. And when a person possesses this strong sense of family attachment to a healthy family that is committed to all things healthy, it makes life completely a different journey. I, I know it does. And that's what we, uh, we were talking about when we talk about being a heart lifter. So a heart lifter is a woman or a man, but I do primarily know I speak to women, who's committed to above all else taking care, guarding her heart and her affections because she knows that it is her heart, her mind, her will, her intellect, her emotions that 
absolutely rule her life and everyone's life who is in her sphere of influence. We all have a sphere of influence. It might be two people. It might be 20. It might be 2,000. It might be 2 million. I hope one day I have 2 million people in my sphere of influence. That would be phenomenal. We have to, above all else, take care of this heart of ours. You know, it's a, it only weighs half a pound. It's like fist-sized. It is the electrical system of our body. It's capable of pumping up to 2,000 gallons of blood through our veins and arteries in a single day. Our heart is where our emotions are deeply felt. Those 34,000 emotions that some experts say that we have. This heart connection is what creates that strong, strong emotional health that we navigate life through. So as we closely examine this over the next few weeks in our our Advent study, our, our short study as Christmas approaches, we're going to closely examine this whole conversation of emotional health and emotions. And first and foremost, become increasingly self-aware. Oh, please don't turn me off. Don't turn this down. Being self-aware is really just another way of saying watch. The scripture says watch, look, listen, guard, examine, examine your heart. The psalmist wrote over and over again. Examine my heart, O God. Help me see. Help me know. Help me learn. Help me grow. Emotions predict our health, our performance, our well-being, our motivation, our sense of fulfillment. And they determine our ability to make effective, oh, please (laughs) hear me, effective decisions. It's invaluable to be able to understand and control them. And we call that emotional regulation. Without the ability, now here, listen in, to understand and control emotions, individuals create very shaky and unstable ground on which to operate. This pulls them away from their internal focus of control and leaves them, let's say you and me, in disillusionment. An individual without an internal locus of control holds the belief that events in one's life, whether good or bad, are caused by controllable factors. Listen to this. Caused by controllable factors such as one's attitude, preparation, and effort. We, you, me, my friends, we are the managers of our emotions. It's called self-control in the Bible. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Paul wrote so, so many chapters on the issue of self-control. 
Emotional regulation. Maybe you've never heard of this. I want you to hear this today. Here's where we begin. We become self-aware and we begin the process of learning to control and practice self-control in our emotions. Moving through life from a responsory, responsive stance instead of a reactory stance. Emotional regulation is our learned ability. Okay, you know, it says right here, we can learn this ability. And I always add that I believe that Genesis 2-7, when God breathed his very breath in you, he breathed in the capacity to have self-control and to have emotional regulation. So this learned ability helps us notice and experience our emotions. We feel them. Yes. We do not ignore them. And then to respond to them accordingly. And that's where I come in. That's where this podcast and all the work of the Speak Healing Words community comes into practice. The tools, the resources, all of the skills you need in your emotional health toolbox are right here. You don't have to go any further. Emotional regulation is like an internal thermostat which notices and then makes changes accordingly to help us stay emotionally within a range of feelings that is tolerable, productive, and actually appropriate. Emotions are information. Those are the words of a very young, bright therapist, and uh, she's also a podcast host, Hillary McBride, and I just, when she said emotions are information, I thought that's just so practical and it's so good. And they are our internal thermostat to help us feel, and I am emphasizing feel today, because we, we're feeling creatures. God's breath came into us with this capacity and all of these emotions for a reason. We are emotional beings. We possess that innate quality to feel and experience something called emotions. We will get angry. We will become very upset. We will experience bouts of depression. We will get very disappointed in life. And on and on. And as Brene Brown so brilliantly teaches in The Gifts of Imperfection and Daring Greatly, if we don't allow ourselves to experience the great sorrow of life, we'll never experience the great joys of life. Because when we experience great sorrow, we want to numb that pain through alcohol, addiction, shopping, impulse, whatever. We need then the tool in our emotional health toolbox called emotional regulation, which helps us to be able to go, okay, I am feeling sorrow right now. I am sure the Bush family today is experiencing deep emotions of grief and loss and sorrow. 
but because they have secure attachment, meaning they are all part of a family legacy of emotional health, they know they can lean on one another in this great time. And because they are a community of shared belief system, they have one another, they're going to get through this. They are going to come and experience joy and happiness and contentment once again. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. I want us to be able to learn this brilliant tool of emotional regulation. I go, I give you many, many practical tips on this in Overcoming Hurtful Words, but I will also be writing about it on the blog this week and on our e-newsletter. So please subscribe to the Speak Killing Words community e-newsletter and the blog so that you don't miss anything. And on Instagram, at Speak Healing Words. So this is just the beginning of understanding that a woman's greatest gift to God, to herself, and to her family and her community and her community of faith is emotional health. Because when a woman can learn to move through life from a place of deep inner security and stability and safety, then you will move through life with a responsive, responsive nature and not a reactory nature. Doesn't mean you'll never react again. Oh my goodness, you will. But you'll be quick to recognize, okay, get a, take a deep breath. And I, I love what, what a woman this morning in my study group said, pause, pray, and proceed. So succinct. Pause, pray, proceed. I think that's a good word to close us out today. I can't wait to delve more into this. And I I want to invite you right now to pick up that pencil and write on your calendar December 13th and December 20th. Those are Thursdays from 11 a.m. to 12 noon-ish, probably about 11.45. I want to keep you be very earnest with your time. Eastern Standard Time. Meet me over on Janelle Reardon Online Book Club on Facebook. And if you're not on Facebook, I'll make sure to cover a lot of that material here on the podcast and over on Instagram. You can have a link to get it as well. So have a great day and please hop over to JanelleRairdon.com, J-A-N-E-L-L-R-A-R-D-O-N.com and subscribe to my e-news and the blog, and you will get a really great 21-day heart-lifting guide to go through until Christmas. So have a blessed day. I can't wait to talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleReardon.com.